Welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax, and we get sleepy. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name's Tom, and I'm your host. Tonight's story, written by Alicia and read by Vanessa, is a follow-up to a previous episode called A Lazy Summer Day in 1982. Decades ago, waking to a heavy storm, we could only find out if school was cancelled by listening to the radio or watching the news on TV. For many of us, there's no fonder memory than the magic of a snow day. And perhaps the greatest gift of any snow day is that it happens spontaneously. Tonight, we'll travel back to the 1980s to experience one of those perfect snow days. We'll follow Heather as she enjoys many special cold weather activities with friends and family. But first, I'd like to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. When you're at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed, withdrawn, uncertain, or some other challenging emotions or feelings that are at play within. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you and make you feel empowered to take back control of your mental health with better coping skills and understanding. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is such a great option. It's flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, and you'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Simple as that. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash get sleepy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash get sleepy. And a big thank you to Rocket Money for their support. Do you know exactly how many paid subscriptions you have? Apparently the average person has 12, but that often doesn't reflect the number we're actively using or even remember having. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. One of our show's producers has been using Rocket Money for a couple of months now, It's helped him monitor his budget with real-time updates and decrease unnecessary spending. So stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash getsleepy. That's R-O-C-K-E-T money dot com slash getsleepy rocketmoney.com slash get sleepy Okay, it's nearly time for me to hand over to Vanessa. But first, let's just spend a moment ensuring we're calm, settled, and ready for rest. Gently bring your awareness to your breathing, steadily watching and feeling the movement of air in and out of your nostrils and your lungs. Your breathing is like a natural anchor a constant that you can center your focus on whenever needed. This practice alone is somewhat meditative, 
and offers an opportunity to find calm, to reset, and to relieve the body and mind of anxiety, stress, or any other challenging sensations within. So just spend another minute or so breathing deeply with your awareness placed on that calming airflow. And now, it's time to begin our story. So continue to relax and unwind as we journey back in time for a day of wintry fun. Heather was awakened by her favorite top 40 song playing quietly on the clock radio. As she slowly shook off the grogginess of sleep, she thought how sorry she was that the song turned on when it was almost over. Sure enough, the radio DJ began talking over the last refrains of the music. Mentally adjusting to the idea of getting up, she tried to focus on what day of the week it was. Just as she was coming to the realization that it was Thursday, she heard the DJ say that he had a list of school cancellations. Heather's eyes opened wide and she sat up in bed. Reaching to the window, she pulled her blue gingham curtains aside. To her delight, the scene in the backyard was a winter wonderland. Fervently hoping that her district would be included in the list of closings, she scooted up to a seated position and hugged her knees close under the quilted bedspread. Heather lived in a district that began with the letter T, so she always had to wait with bated breath while the announcer got through all the cancelled areas in alphabetical order. When he finally said the words she had been waiting to hear, she threw the covers aside. Nestling her feet into her slipper socks, she scuffed across the room and opened the door wide. She crossed the hall. Then, without knocking, she pushed open her younger brother Jason's room and whispered, We have a snow day. Jason popped his head up and let out a quiet whoop. Then the siblings grinned at each other. No words needed to pass between them. They knew they were in for some spectacular winter fun. Heather descended the stairs in her flannel nightgown, eager to tell her mom the news 
Turning into the kitchen, she crossed the bumpy yellow and brown linoleum floor, calling to her mother that school had been canceled. Her mom looked up from her magazine with a long-suffering expression, nodded her head, and said that she had heard it on the local TV news station. Then she turned back to her magazine, taking a long sip of coffee from her brown ceramic mug. Without looking up again, she said, You can eat your breakfast in front of the TV if you want. By now, Jason had joined them in the kitchen. He and Heather pulled open the walnut-colored cabinets that contained the breakfast cereals and each grabbed their favorite box. Heather liked the puffed cereal, whereas Jason tended to prefer the sugary flakes. Helping themselves to generous pours of milk from the fridge, they each grabbed a spoon from the cutlery drawer. Then they walked carefully down the two steps to the carpeted family room. Their mother urged them not to spill. They rolled their eyes humorously at each other. Heather set her bowl down on the coffee table and walked over to the TV to turn it on. Rotating the dial with a satisfying click, she stopped at a kid's morning show she and Jason used to watch when they were younger. The host wore an orange sweater and he was talking to a puppet. They watched for a moment, but then she kept turning the dial until it landed on a game show. People were participating from the audience and winning prizes like household appliances and vacation packages. Heather didn't usually get to watch game shows until after school, so it felt quite decadent. With the roar of the game show crowd in the background, she spooned her milk and cereal into her mouth while gazing out the window. The entire yard had taken on a shapeless quality with all the objects buried in mounds of snow. The branches of their maple tree stretched upward into the sky, extending into pale gray light that always came with daytime snowstorms. The flakes were falling heavily, but there was no wind. The result was a lacy coating that delicately stacked up on every branch. When they had finished their cereal, Heather and Jason looked at each other with a grin. They knew they had more exciting things to do than watch TV. Putting their bowls in the sink, they picked up speed and clambered up the carpeted stairs to their bedrooms to put on clothing suitable for sledding. Heather was too old for snow pants. Any 10-year-old worth their salt would be on the sledding hill in jeans, moon boots, and a ski jacket. She knew her mom was going to make her wear a hat. She felt 
a little uncool doing it, but she would comply. Before she left her room, she pulled on two layers of white knee highs to go inside her boots. They would keep her feet a little warmer. They stood in the tiled entryway of the house, pulling on their boots and donning all their outerwear. Heather took her coat off the hook on the wall and slid both arms into it. She still had a lift tag hanging on the zipper from the time her parents had taken them to a nearby ski slope last year. Looking down, she grabbed the zipper and listened to its familiar zushing sound as she pulled it up past the rainbow stripe on the torso of the jacket and closed it at the neck. Once that was done, she reluctantly put on her hat, wrapped the matching scarf around her neck, and retrieved her mittens from her pockets. She watched Jason as he zipped the legs of his snow pants down at the ankle. Peering at her own feet, she confirmed that her jeans were tightly tucked into her boots. She was ready to go. Heather chided herself for always forgetting that you can't really turn a doorknob with your mittens on. Hastily removing hers from one hand, she pulled the door open. She and her brother nearly gasped with delight when the wall of wet, cold air met their faces on the front steps. Their mom had opened the garage and put their flyer sled and the plastic toboggan in the driveway. Carefully descending the front steps, they picked their way over to make their choices for the day. Heather took the yellow rope that pulled the flyer, and Jason grabbed the toboggan. They were off to the sledding hill. They walked in silence, feeling that the trudging of their boots on the fresh snow was a pleasant barrier to conversation. Luckily, nothing needed to be said. Their destination was a familiar one, and they knew that every kid in the neighborhood would be arriving there shortly. Jason's face smiled at her out of the small circle of the drawstring in his hood. Sticking his tongue out, he caught several fat snowflakes. With a look of careful consideration, he pointed out that this would be the perfect type of snow for building a fort. There were already high school kids with snow shovels who were making the rounds. They knocked on doors and were gladly greeted by adults who were happy to pay them a few dollars to shovel their driveways. Some people liked to wait until the storm stopped before they shoveled, but Heather's dad had always said it was better to keep clearing the snow than to let it pile up. It always seemed to Heather, though, that it was a shame to make the snow go away even sooner than necessary. Arriving at the best neighborhood snow hill, they could see they were not the first. Kids ranging in age from about 8 to 16, were in various stages of going up the hill 
shouting at their friends from the top and arriving in a cloud of freezing powder at the bottom. She heard a voice calling her name and turned to see her friend Michelle, who was dragging a plastic saucer sled up the hill behind them. Heather let her friend catch up with her as Jason continued to the top. The snow was still coming down heavily. As they made their way to the crest of the hill, their boots sank deep into the mounds underfoot, which had already grown to be six or eight inches. Heather huffed and puffed, She reflected on how amazing it was that a person could get so warm just from climbing a hill in such cold weather. It was certainly worth the work, though. The hill was wide, and it allowed numerous kids to launch their sleds at once without crowding each other. Heather and Michelle perched their sleds at the top of the incline and then counted backwards. Four, three, two, one. Then they pushed off. Heather steering the wooden flyer with her feet and Michelle turning and bumping in a less linear path down the slope at her side curled up in the round plastic saucer. Heather was filled with exhilaration at the speed of her flight downward. The metal runners of her sled cut deeply into the snow, but there was plenty of it to ride on. Too soon, the thrill ended with a long, flat stretch that allowed her sled to come to a gentle stop. Michelle, on the other hand, purposely flung herself in circles, spinning into a bit of a pile nearby when her saucer hit a small drift. Laughing with delight, she rolled off her plastic circle and made a snow angel next to it. Heather trudged through the deep snow and flopped down next to her friend to lie on her back. Swinging her arms wide, she made a snow angel of her own. Then, without warning, she turned over and dropped a fistful of snow on Michelle's face. Michelle expressed her indignation. Then, laughing, both girls once again dragged their sleds to the top of the hill where even more children had collected. They got there just in time to see Jason, who was seated with a friend behind him. He pushed his toboggan off the crest of the hill with concentrated energy. Once moving, he threw his arms in the air and hooted with joy as they sailed swiftly to the bottom. The time passed too quickly, marked by seemingly countless variations of this rising to the top and falling to the bottom. The snow stopped and then started and then stopped and started again. Tracks were created in the snow and soon obliterated again as the white stuff fell repeatedly from the heavens. For a time, their humble suburban foothill felt as grand as a mountain. There came a point 
where the girls were suddenly ready to warm up. Their jeans were caked with powder and their mittens crusted with ice. Heather wrinkled her nose experimentally and proclaimed it numb. Michelle suggested they go to her house and see if they could get some lunch. Waving to Jason, whose endurance was lengthened by his waterproof snow pants, Heather followed Michelle in the direction of her house, which was on the street just behind her own. Approaching the driveway, the girls could see that someone had shoveled earlier. However, a fresh layer made it easy to drag their sleds right up to the steps and drop them there. Pulling themselves up the steps by the railing, they pushed the front door open, grateful for the wall of warmth that met their faces from the central heating inside. As they peeled their cold, wet outerwear off, Michelle called out to her mom that they were home. She knew that there was sure to be a can of chicken noodle soup waiting in the kitchen. Dusting the remaining snow off their damp jeans, they dragged their tired legs up the brown carpeted stairs of the split-level entryway. Treading lightly, they padded across the living room and into the kitchen. Michelle's mom appeared to be busy elsewhere in the house, but a can of condensed soup and some salty crackers were sitting on the beige countertop. Michelle pulled a can opener from the drawer and pried the soup open. Then she poured it into a pot on the electric stovetop and added the necessary can of water. While she slowly stirred the soup, she offered the open sleeve of crackers to Heather. Her friend accepted too and then opened the fridge to look for some drinks. Heather deposited two juice pouches on the enamel table and pulled the basket with the napkins to the center. They were ready to feast. Michelle used a ladle to divide the steaming golden soup between the two bowls, adjusting the noodle ratio so that it was even. Then the two girls sat together, alternately blowing on their spoons and slurping the long noodles. They laughed at each other when the vapor from the soup thawed their cold noses, briefly bringing on a fit of the sniffles. By the time they had finished their lunches, they were all toasty again and ready for an indoor break. Michelle put the pot and their dishes into the sink. Then they walked across the soft carpeting and down the hallway to her bedroom. Pushing the door open, Michelle pulled a couple of magazines off her desk. Then she switched on her boombox and punched the play button. 
a mixtape she had made from the radio began to play, with all her favorite songs running into one another. The two girls flopped across her bed, each pulling a magazine from the stack. Heather chose one filled with pop music articles. One of her favorite bands was featured on the cover. Michelle, on the other hand, was in a mood to discuss fashion. Her latest preteen magazine featured a smiling girl on the cover who was modeling a matching miniskirt and top. The ensemble had white and magenta stripes, and her leg warmers were the same color of purple. Michelle rose from the bed and walked over to a standing brass mirror in the corner of her room. She paused there and experimentally pulled her long hair over into a side ponytail. Looking at Heather in the reflection, she asked her what she thought of the hairstyle. Heather appeared to consider the question carefully. Then she said, It looks good, but I also like it when you do a French braid. She rested her chin on her hands and watched as Michelle pushed several chunky plastic bracelets onto her wrist and rattled them about. Then she idly placed them back on the dresser and returned to her magazine. They flipped through the glossy pages, listening to their favorite hits coming out of the speakers on Michelle's desk. Of course, since she had made the cassette by listening to the radio, the beginnings and endings were sometimes cut off or the DJ was talking. It was just the way mixtapes were. When they had both made it to the end of their magazines, Michelle pulled out her sticker album to show Heather her latest acquisitions from last week's trip to the mall. She had spent her allowance on some particularly sparkly stickers that made great additions to the page of rainbows and unicorns. One or two of the new stickers were also puffy. Heather couldn't resist lightly poking them with her index finger. Michelle pleaded with her not to ruin her stickers, and they both laughed agreeably and closed the album. Being warm, dry, and full of lunch was making Heather feel ready to return to the snow. She stood up from Michelle's bed and walked to the window, pulling aside the curtain. The storm had stopped, for now, and the sun was shining brilliantly on the backyard. Everything from the swing set to the wood pile was covered in what looked like glittering sugar. Drawn by the beauty of the scene outside, Heather told Michelle she was ready to go back out. She suggested they could walk to her house 
and see which kids they might find along the way. As the girls were putting their coats and boots back on, Michelle's mom appeared with four empty plastic bread bags in her hands. If your boots are damp inside, put these on, she suggested. Michelle took the bags somewhat reluctantly and handed two of them to Heather. She had to admit that her boots were a tiny bit damp inside, and nobody else would know about the bread bags. They donned the plastic shields and laced up their boots, stepping from foot to foot experimentally. The bags did their job inside the boots, and the girls found their feet remained completely dry. Satisfied that they were ready, they wrapped their scarves around their necks once more and pulled the front door open to greet the sunshine. The two of them carefully descended the steps, immersing themselves once again in the invigorating chill. Heather picked up the cord to her sled and headed down the street, dragging it behind her. Michelle didn't bother to bring her saucer with her. She suspected they would find their friends and have some other fun in the snow. They rounded the block, passing a few driveways in various states of snow removal. Some people were outside scraping the ice off their windshields and warming up their cars. Heather shielded her eyes and squinted into the blue sky. She wondered if there would be more snow later or if this was the end of it. When they got to the bottom of Heather Street, they saw that they had come to the right place. A big group of kids were engaged in excellent teamwork, building rival forts. One of the growing structures was in Heather's yard. Her brother and his friends had created an impressive fortification. Behind it, a few of the neighborhood kids were making a generous pile of snowballs. Not to be outdone, some other kids they knew were making a wall of snow of their own. Using a couple of boxes, they were creating large squares and piling them up in layers. Heather watched as she approached them with her sled in tow. Their method was efficient. Two kids would fill the box with snow and pack it down hard. Then they would turn it over quickly and remove the box, leaving a snow brick behind. It was brilliant. Heather was distracted by a cry of indignation from Michelle. Turning, she saw that her friend had been hit by a snowball, which now lay in pieces around her. By the laughing that was coming from Jason's fort, 
she suspected she knew the culprits. Dropping her sled, she made her way over to the rival fort builders with Michelle on her heels. They would have their revenge. Picking up one of the lopsided snowballs in the arsenal, she wound up and flung it at Jason's hideout. A battle had begun. The snowball sailed over his wall and elicited a squawk and a laugh from the other side. Within seconds, the air between the two yards was filled with snowballs. Kids shouted with glee, sending their projectiles over and around the walls. It wasn't long before the game had leaked away from the forts and the players were in mad dashes behind fences, under trees, and between hedges. There were no rules to this game, and the playing field was wide open. The match continued for quite some time, with kids coming and going. Just when the competition seemed to be over, and one of the teams had let down their guard, someone would renew the action. By the time the sparkling midday sun had mellowed and moved lower in the sky, every kid in the neighborhood appeared to be plain tuckered out. Heather and Michelle, among the hardiest, finally gave up and flopped backward to lie on the snow. As they stared upward, the icicles lining the roof very slowly dripped clear crystals of water. Each droplet hit the snow with a small thud and vanished into the downy white piles. Heather was fairly certain that this tiny bit of melting in the late afternoon was all the work the sun would get done today. After lying still for a few minutes, listening to the diminishing calls of their playmates, the girls admitted they were ready to go inside. Getting up from their places on the lawn, they exchanged goodbyes. Michelle trudged off down the street eating a little handful of snow. Heather retrieved her abandoned sled and pulled it into the bounds of her yard. Then she dragged her tired, slightly numb feet to the door and stomped the snow off her boots and her pants. Her parents wouldn't want her to track all of it into the entryway. Opening the front door, she was immediately greeted by the delicious smell of chocolate chip cookies. She could tell by the mechanical blips coming out of the family room that Jason had gotten home first. Hanging her coat 
hat, and scarf on the newel post at the bottom of the stairs. She headed across the entryway into the family room. Sure enough, her brother was firmly planted in front of the TV with his controller in hand. In front of him was a small plate of chocolate chip cookies. He reached down and ate one as he waited for the game to start his next level. Turning and peering into the kitchen, Heather saw the rest of the warm cookies spread across the cooling rack on the counter. Her mum was at the stove, stirring something in a pot. Noticing Heather behind her, she said, I'm making hot chocolate. Help yourself to cookies. Then, with mock sternness, she added, But only three. Heather selected the three largest cookies from the counter and slipped them onto a stoneware plate, taking a seat at the kitchen table. The sun was setting outside. Looking out the window, she could see it casting a rosy glow across the hardening snowpack in the backyard. The drifts back there were largely undisturbed, except where a squirrel had jumped across. Her mother set a mug in front of her. As she inhaled the delicious scent of the cocoa, her mom shook up a can of whipped topping and deposited a healthy dollop on top of the mug. Then she handed her a spoon. While Heather waited for her drink to cool slightly, she turned the mug around, gazing at the cartoon characters that decorated the sides. She'd had that cup as long as she could remember. She blew lightly on her mug and spooned a bit of cocoa and melted whipped cream into her mouth. Looking around the table, she grabbed the insert from the newspaper that had all the TV listings. Flipping open to the right day, she scanned the evening network shows with her finger. Then, her eyes lit up. She had completely forgotten that tonight was the annual special airing of one of her favorite movies. It only happened a few times during the year and usually meant special family room privileges during dinner. She called out the good news to Jason, who had appeared in the kitchen to fetch his hot chocolate. Together, they appealed to their mom to let them eat dinner in front of the TV. She said she had already known they would want to do this and that they had some TV dinners in the freezer. It wasn't much longer before Heather's dad came home, bringing in a whirl of frosty air and more outerwear that had to be hung in the hallway. 
wanting to be all ready for their big evening show, both Heather and Jason finished their hot chocolate and went up to their rooms to get into their pajamas. Heather chose her favorite flannel nightgown and located her slipper socks on the floor by the bed. Jason appeared outside her room in his superhero PJs. As they descended the stairs together, her brother wondered aloud if they might be able to convince their parents to light the fireplace. The wood-burning hearth didn't get used very much because their dad said it was a huge mess to clean up. They couldn't argue with this. They had watched him sweeping up the ashes with the metal dustpan many times. However, on a festive snow day like this, with a network special airing, they thought they might have a good chance of convincing him. Sure enough, he was persuaded. While their TV dinners warmed up in the oven, he painstakingly built up the pile of wood and twisted newspaper to get the fire going. His methods for lighting a fire always seemed lengthy and mysterious, but it was worth the wait. By the time the familiar credits for the network special were playing on the TV, a jolly fire was crackling warmly in the brick fireplace. It cast a golden glow over the earth tones of the family room. Shadows danced on the wall. Their mom got them set up on the yellow and brown plaid couch, placing TV trays in front of them. She ceremoniously deposited their meals along with tall glasses of milk. They scanned their compartmentalized meals with anticipation. Salisbury steak, mashed potatoes, mixed vegetables, and an apple pie all sat in neatly sized squares, separated by little walls of aluminum. Their mom's rule was that they had to eat all the other compartments before getting into the dessert. Since they both enjoyed apple pie, this was adequate motivation for them to be sure to eat their peas and carrots. The magic of the network TV special made the evening fly. Seeing it just once a year or less made these viewings feel like lightning in a bottle. They knew the musical numbers well and sometimes sang along. When the intermission came, everyone cleared their TV dinners away and their mom let them get a bag of large marshmallows and a couple of skewers. Soon they were seated next to the wood fire, lightly toasting a little extra dessert to follow their apple pie servings. Roasting a marshmallow was an art. Jason tended to be impatient and eventually 
torch one side of his marshmallow black. Heather had learned to keep hers just far enough away from the fire to see it gently turn brown. Then, the key was to turn the marshmallow very slowly, rescuing it before it became molten and fell off the skewer. Of course, you also had to be careful not to burn your mouth on it. A properly roasted marshmallow was nearly liquid inside. The thing that always kept them from overindulging in marshmallows was that you did tend to get really hot on one side of your body after roasting just a couple. Three turned out to be the limit of endurance for both Heather and Jason that night. They were back on the couch with mildly sticky fingers by the time the grand finale of their TV musical started. The kitchen lights were low now, and the counters cleared and clean for the morning. Their parents had disappeared upstairs to get ready for bed. Heather never wanted the snow day to end. However, she was also suddenly very drowsy. Turning on her side and lying down a little, she leaned against the couch cushion. Stretching out her arm, she reached for the blanket her mother had crocheted for them. She pulled the nubbly woven yarn all around her. At the other end of the couch, Jason was her mirror image. He pushed his slippered feet under the blanket that lay between them, and they watched the last minutes of their TV special. And then the show was over. Their parents called from the stairs that it was time for bed. Reluctantly, the two kids got off the couch. Heather walked over to the TV and turned it off. The fire was dying down and now glowed with just a few hot pieces in its center. As Heather rounded the hallway to the stairs, she padded over to the front window in the living room and peeked outside. The moon was visible above, and the streetlights illuminated an unearthly white landscape. Her neighborhood was unrecognizable, like a moonscape. 
scrutinizing the pools of lights under the lamps. She could just make out a thin veil of snow falling again. Knowing that it wasn't completely over was comforting. Smiling at each other, Heather and Jason dragged their heavy feet up the steps to brush their teeth. Leaving her door ajar, Heather pulled back the quilt on her bed and rolled under the covers, tucking them up around her chin. She turned on her side and gazed out the window at the backyard. It was glowing with that pervasive brightness that comes after a snowstorm, when the moonlight is reflected upward, where the porch light shone on the patio, she could see fat flakes drifting steadily downward into shadow. Smiling happily, she closed her drooping eyes and drifted down. 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 As if she were still on her sled. Sliding as if she were on velvet, she glided gracefully into sleep. As she morphed into a dream, she thought, perhaps there would be more snow tomorrow. Tomorrow.